Welcome to the Practical Prospecting Podcast with your hosts, Jed Marley and myself, Maggie Bloom from the Mailshake team. We'll be talking about how to practically set up your outbound outreach game. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, today we are focusing on breaking down a cold email. And it's not just any cold email, it's actually one that Jed received himself. So I really want to hear from Jed as to why this got his attention. So Jed, this email was sent to you. And as a person who's pretty much like the master at email, cold email, what about this template, you know, got you to take a double take? Yeah, for sure. I think it was just really relevant. And as we'll break down in today's episode, it was just a perfect example of not having to personalize too much, but just knowing your audience and focusing on a specific group of prospects. And you can pretty much send the same type of email to all of them and it'll land pretty well. And so that's exactly what this email did is it was just relevant to me without requiring a lot of personalization, easy to read, good copywriting. So we'll, we'll break all that down. But I think the key thing here is just relevance without having to personalize much. Love it. And I think from the rep's perspective, from what you're, you're saying, it's like, I would keep your ears open because I feel like this could save you all a lot of time from doing something like this instead of trying to personalize everything. Even though personalization can be important, I think uh, to Jed's case and why this got his attention, it's definitely about relevance. So cool. And for those of you listening along right now, we're going to link this template and the email that Jed got and a screenshot of it in the show notes. So if you're following along and you want to look at it while we're talking about it, you're more than welcome to do that. So, all right, cool. Let's break this down. Subject line, Jed, you want to start kind of just going through it? Yeah, for sure. So I think the first thing that, that caught my attention about the subject line, and this might be a hot topic to some, but again, I think everything's worth testing. The fact that he used my name, but not in, I'll say a, a cringy way. So <laughs> there's times where it's like, Jed, quick question. And those are what I would call maybe a, a cringy way of using your someone's yeah. name in the subject line. But there's a right and a wrong way to do it. And I think they did this the right way where they said Jed to catch my attention, which it did. And then comp plus commissions. And I like that that's kind of boring because typically the emails that I don't want to open are emails that feel like they're marketing emails, for example, mass emails. And those ones typically look pretty. They look flashy. They look like they're trying to catch my attention. But when I mm -hmm. see comp plus commissions and it looks kind of intentionally boring and short, it actually makes me want to open it because it feels like it's more important. And so that's the first thing. And then the other thing was also just the timing of the email. And I don't know if this was intentional or just a coincidence, but mm -hmm. the problem they're talking about is comp plus commissions. And it came at the end of the month and the end of the quarter when I'm thinking about comp and commissions. Yeah. So it was also good timing. But I think like the takeaway from the subject line is that my favorite subject lines as well are ones that just boil down the problem or the topic you're talking about into one or two words and then use that as your subject line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I remember you sending this over to me when it was the end of the quarter and it's like perfect time. Like I'm wondering if that's something that they use all the time or it's just something that, you know, they send at that specific time. So definitely agree. I think they nailed it. Obviously got your attention. And another attention grabbing part of email obviously is the first line. So about this first line, like I know it reads right here, as a sales leader, do you often get disputes from your reps about their comp payout? So yeah, like what about that stood out to you to open the email and read that first line? Yeah. So as a sales leader, do you often get disputes from reps about their comp payouts? I think what stood out to me is that, you know, I don't necessarily get disputes from my team, 
But, you know, we are, like, we're a growing sales team, right? And so our, our commission plan isn't, like, fully automated or fully optimized, you know. But but it is something that takes time, right? Because at the end of each month, end of each quarter, I do have to go in, calculate commissions, do it manually. And I spend a good amount of time doing that, and then I confirm it with everybody. And so what stood out here is that it was a relevant problem, right? And I think that's one of my favorite ways to open up email is ask a question about a problem. So if you talk to sales leaders all the time and they're dealing with one specific problem, or if you're talking to HR leaders and they're dealing with one specific problem, pull out that most common problem and use that as the intro line of your email. And then also it just follows good copywriting. So it's just easy to read. It's not complicated. It's short. It's focusing on just one problem. It's not several. And so I think all those things combined made this a really good first line or intro hook to the email. Amazing. Yeah, totally agree. All right, cool. Let's keep on moving here. So the second half of this email. So they already got you to recognize this or not recognize, but hit home on a problem that you're dealing with or slightly dealing with and other sales leaders would too. Let's talk about like the ending of this in the middle. Yeah, for sure. So the second line is asking because 94 or 94% of sales reps spend an average of two to three hours recalculating their payout manually to check for accuracy, valuable time that could be selling instead. So what I like about this is the the numbers they're using. And again, this is something I've heard both sides of. You shouldn't use percentages and statistics in your emails, or you should. I'm a fan of using them if they're used right. So I think everything depends on context, of course. So what Mm -hmm. I really like about this is just 94% feels oddly specific. And then two to three hours feels realistic, right? If they had told me 13 hours, I'd be like, no, my team's not spending that much time. But they're kind of helped me see... A little bit like, hey, two to three hours makes sense. And, and they're probably right. And, and, and it's something where like I as a sales leader get busy and I might not think about these things. But then seeing it quantified helps me put a little bit more urgency to the problem. And so I do like the way that they, they talk about the impact. And, and we'll break down the whole framework at the end here. But what they're talking about here is impact, right? So the first line mm-hmm. is problem. The second line is impact. And so that's what hit home. And again, same thing as the first line follows good copywriting laws. It's, it's, it's simple. It's easy to read. There's no flaw. So, um, yeah, big fan of the second line. Yeah. I think the whole, like for the people looking at it right now, the whole idea of this is like, everything is pretty straightforward and quick and to the point. And they nailed everything like in the shortest amount of words possible, um, that still got their point across. So bravo to them. I think, especially with that second line, because I see people trying to drag that out. And then again, with the third line where they're actually, explaining their business or explaining how they're helping too. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, like that third line, we help sales. So like that's the last part, right? We help sales Mm -hmm. leaders or just leaders automate their process and drive efficiency across the team. I like it. They're explaining the problem. So they've given me the problem. They've given me the impact. They've explained how they, how they solve the problem. Again, simple. That's exactly what I'm looking for in a sense. Like if you're spending a lot of time, like you want something to automate and remove that time. So not too much to say on this one. I think it's simple and does the job. Awesome. Yeah. And then that CTA, interest-based, worth a chat, which I love these. I mean, the goal of cold email that I like to tell everyone, it's just to see if that there's an interest there. You're not trying to do anything else. Like, don't make this complicated. Don't try to, yeah, like explain something in a bit more depth. I don't really like people clicking on a link. So I think they nailed it with their whole structure of this email, but especially the CTA as well. 
Yeah, I agree. The CTA is simple, and like you just want to get out of your own way, like you said, Maggie. Um, if, mm-hmm. the, if the rest of your email did the trick, then the CTA doesn't really matter as much because they're going to respond. But you might complicate yeah. things if you try to make it too complicated. One thing I might try just to keep it even shorter is combining that last line with the CTA. So lots of times people mm-hmm. have a whole extra sentence explaining about how they help. You can kind of just combine that with your CTA and say, worth a chat to see how we can automate this. And then it shortens it a little uh... bit, makes it a little bit more appealing. But again... The rest of the email did its trick, so I don't think that's a huge, a huge problem. Yeah, for sure. But I like what you said, and I didn't really think about it until you said it just now. Is like, I think it's kind of a pattern interrupt too, because I think all of us are waiting for like, I mean, at least someone like me who reads a ton of cold emails, we're all waiting for that third line or somewhere to interject, like, "Hey, this is our business, and this is what we do." And luckily, this person didn't write it like that, like the way they wrote this whole email, obviously we've been complimenting the hell out of it, but, yeah. but even saying like, we help leaders automate their processes and drive efficiency across the team. That me just saying that out loud kind of was a mouthful. And to your point of like, Hey, would it be worth, worth a chat to see how we can help, you know, automate that process. <laughs> and I even tripped up saying it then. So you could probably shorten it as well, but yeah. I like that because it's okay. Here's the CTA here's what we do kind of slyly put in there instead of just taking up a whole line. That's like, this is us. This is what we do. Because I think just even as the reader, we still kind of think in the back of our head, like, why are they talking about themselves? Even though I know they have to, but I think like the way that you put it after my ramble here, I like it. And it seems like, you know, a good way to talk about yourself, but not really talk about yourself. Yeah, exactly. And it just makes it a little bit shorter. Totally. So yeah, you said you were going to like recap the structure here for us. So like, what what is the structure that they use so well or that framework? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that anybody listening can take away from this one is we already talked about the first part, which is that lean on the side of relevance, right? If you come up with a relevant email, hit on mm-hmm. a relevant problem, you don't have to personalize much and you can pretty much send the same type of email to a lot of people. But then the second thing is the framework of this email that I think anybody can really steal and apply, and apply for themselves. And so the framework is simple. First line or first sentence is the problem. So the problem that you typically see with folks in their position. The second line or second sentence is the impact of that problem. Again, that applies urgency. It makes them want to take action. Line three or the third sentence, um, the solution to that problem, how your product fixes that. And then line four, the final sentence, uh, your call to action. And so problem, impact, solution, call to action. That was a framework. And um, it's something that we use here at MailShake as well. And I think it's um, pretty much applicable to, to any situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, one really quick thing to touch on is like, this is a framework that people can use and obviously use in any other type of business. That's why a lot of people will reach out to me saying like, hey, what's a good template for cold email? And it all comes down to the framework, not actually a template. And templates get old. And we've talked about this before. It's like a tactic type thing, but you really want to focus on those frameworks. And I think like one thing to touch on too versus like, I mean, it's a hot topic of like relevance versus personalization. And obviously you you can use both, but I feel like relevance is more important for two sides of it. The first side is making sure that, yeah, of course you want to be relevant to the person that you're reaching out to, but relevance also in my experience chat and correct me if I'm wrong, or if you have a different take on this is also easier for the sales rep. Like then you're not like focusing all this time on like, okay, let me do this research. And sometimes that research is 
I would say mandatory for maybe like a bigger account you're reaching out to and you know, you've been trying to talk with them forever about something, but I just feel like relevance is easier both for the reader <laughs> and also the person writing the email. Would you agree? Yeah, I completely agree. Like relevance is a must have in your emails and it's easier to find and personalization is a nice to have if you can find it, but oftentimes yeah. it takes a lot. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, SDRs listening right now, we know that your days are busy. So why don't you just try to get more done with a little bit less? <laughs> um, and a great way and great tactic that I've always helped me with writing like relevant emails is taking like one person, like let's say you are prospecting people like sales leaders. So take like Jed, for example, I like to look at Jed's profile. I look at, you know, where he works. I think about like his day to day and I write the email, even though later on it's going to be like a prospecting email to let's say a hundred people, but I write it just to Jed at first and think like, okay, what problem is Jed facing without personalizing it, but just making sure like I'm writing to one person that this can hit home for. And then obviously you can make that relevant for a bigger amount of people too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it saves a lot of time. You just have to kind of get in the rhythm and it requires knowing your prospects, the problems that they care about. And over time, you'll find that relevance is easy to find and it applies to a lot of different, a, a lot more prospects at once. Absolutely. Awesome. Yep. And it'll save you time. So thank you for following along and looking at this email with us. Again, the email is going to be in the show notes and on uh, Jed's newsletter. So you'll be able to find it there if you want to look at it a little bit further, but they did an awesome job. But thank you so, so much for listening to another episode of the Practical Prospecting Podcast. We'll check you next time. This was another episode of the Practical Prospecting Podcast. If you enjoyed yourself today, give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify Podcasts. Thanks so much. Talk to you next time.